This is the Shift Podcast. Rob Fayan for Shane Hewitt. What does it take to be a good parent when your teen graduates from high school? We had Julie Friedman Smith, parenting coach and co-founder of Parenting Power, giving us tips on how to support our kids as they go through this massive change and uh, how we parent better post-pandemic. Steve Stebbing brings us a look at the new Elvis biopic and uh, what horror movie we should watch out for this weekend, plus Ethan Hawke's chilling performance and more. And uh, again, are you okay? Are you okay with hitting a crocodile with a frying pan? Those are the kind of questions that we ask you on the Thursday slash Friday edition of The Shift. This is The Shift Podcast. Guys, are you okay with Australia? Yes. They just seem like amazing. They just seem like they have... I think that they're very rugged, right? They just, you know, put up with incredible creatures just like in their backyard. They live in a harsh country and yet they're incredibly friendly. They have such a high quality of life and they have a delightful accent. It's just, yeah. So on my bucket list of places to travel to, and I would probably stay for like a month if I went, like I would want to go for a while. Well, see, no, I did five months. I, was, I had a work visa for a year, but five months was about my limit here. Um, they are very friendly. They are yep. almost too friendly. Um, Interesting. Could not go anywhere by yourself without being swarmed by about a million people asking what your life story was. And for me, being a natural introvert, it was kind of hellish at times. Mm. Um, and also, the fond of, at least where I was, lots of alcohol and very rowdy to the point where I believe there was some kind of a street fight every single night. So it was intense. It was an intense place to be. You know what? Prisoner Island is a dump. That coming from Drex. Rob, <laughs> I, I, I wow. No, no. I, I will. <laughs> Prisoner Island, I get. It took me a second. I make the reference. Fantastic. Just not bad at all. And if that is, in fact, Drex, that's fantastic. Because he is in. Australia as we speak. Okay, so if you were listening last night, this is where the inspiration for this story comes from. We were talking about the forklift operator from Australia who was featured on Are You Okay? Ryan scours the internet with one goal. Can he beat that story? And how's this one for you? An Australian pub owner is being hailed as a hero. A hero, I tell you. After defending his pub from an alligator with a frying pan. Out of the fry pan and into the fire, this croc king isn't afraid to dish out a serious dose of discipline. <laughs> I just grabbed the frying pan and gave an almighty smack on the nose. For nearly 20 years, Kai Hansen has been lordship of his very own island, around 70 kilometres as the crow flies south of Darwin. My kingdom has the only croc infested moat all around it. King Kai lives alongside his beloved Casey, who entertains visitors on the banks of the Adelaide River. But a rogue croc named Fred has moved in and upset the pecking order. Now he's bigger than her, and that is a problem. So she climbs up over there, which is very close to the walkway where people come in from the chopper. Which forced the publican to bring out his shield. Gave her a smack a couple of times 15 years ago. So she knows what a frying pan is, and I don't have a gun. Well, I'm lying when I say I don't have a gun, but it's not very effective. 
Uh, that one from Nine News. According to the Australian Backpackers Guide, saltwater crocs are more aggressive. Uh, they're the more aggressive of the two types found down under, the other being freshwater crocodiles. And how about this? They can reach a whopping seven meters in length. But enough of the croc. Let's get back to the guy. I mean, what a sell job. You know those right? guys at Nine News were driving back in the truck with the old footage, and they're like, man, do we have a lead for you. We got a story. We got a story. <laughs> yeah, and you know what I love is that island that is his island is called Goat Island. So he has a crocodile moat on an island named after a goat, and he defended it with a frying pan. And the, the gun that he had was like the gun that the Joker has in Batman where it goes bang and like the little rod shoots out and then the flag drops down. That was his gun. So did I hear him say that he had incredible. previously hit the crocodile 15 yes. years earlier? Yeah. Fred, the Fred, the crocodile. Love it. Yes. Oh, yeah. God, I love for Australians sure. yeah. for that stuff. I know. Right. It's just, it's just, Oh, sorry. I think an alligator. I know there's a big difference between the two. Oh, I'm not sure what right. the difference is, but it is an alligator in this story, not a crocodile. Hmm. Does that or, make it any less or any more? Wait, or no, it's a crocodile. It is a crocodile. It's the bigger of the one. two. It's the bigger of the two. It is a crocodile. Okay, <laughs> on to the next one. Guys, are you okay with twins? Um, Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever actually met a, met twins. I've met fr- like fraternal twins, like people born at the same time, but I've never met identical twins in my entire life. I don't think I've ever seen one. Really? Yeah. No, no I'm, so. okay. I'm okay with twins. Yeah, they're usually very different. They're I employ twins. Really? I, I, really? I, on our uh, Nation Extreme Wrestling roster, we have the Voros twins, who are better known as the Davinci twins. I don't no know. way. Yeah, they, they wrestle in Vancouver for Nation Extreme <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> the the Davinci's, yeah. Davinci? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my, that was such a what moment for yeah. any, any millennial listening to the show. Well, they're they're going, Hungarian, uh, and they are the sweetest two guys you'll ever meet, and they articulate in a way that I've never heard before, and they can finish each other's sentences. They're like, hello, Rob. It's almost like, uh, who, who, remember Silence of the Lambs? Hello, Clarice. Hello, Clarice. Yeah, that's, it's kind of like a younger version of that. They're like, hello, Rob. We're wondering if you mind if we do a finishing spot and it's, uh, I'm doing, I'm hacking this, by the way. They're like, do you mind if we jump off the top rope? And and then the, at the end, I'm just like, yeah, guys, do whatever. And they're like, <laughs> like they laugh at each other's they jokes exactly like constantly. Like so yeah. anyways, it's, uh, it's endearing because yeah, you see one, you see the other. I can tell the difference. Of course, in Vancouver, we got to watch the Sedines, both twins as well. Just 3% of babies born are twins. Keep that in mind with this story. 35-year-old Ashley Nelson, already a mother of four, was going in for routine ultrasound when, get this, she found out that she was about to have a one in a million pregnancy. She looked at the screen and she writes A and B. So then I look at her and I'm like, I'm having twins. Ashley wouldn't have been surprised. Twins run in my family and in his family. Turns out there was a baby C and D too. 
She's like, um, you're having four babies, honey. Two days later, she learned she was having two sets of identical twins, boys and girls. Ashley got to thinking about the four babies she had miscarried. Yep, they all came back to me. And now this growing family is preparing as best they can. They have the names picked out. Eight-year-old Chanel came up with them, all of them starting with C-H, like her. The two girls are Chesley and Chatham, and then the two boys are Chance and Chester. At 23 weeks... It's been amazing. The beginning was very rough, but now I feel great. And now she, her boyfriend, and the kids are anticipating the big day. So I'm technically due October 18th, but I will have them between August 9th to the 23rd. That is an awesome story. Great right? find, Ryan. Like, right? I love that they named one of their kids Chance. And what are the chances that she had four miscarriages? And as she said, they all came back at they once. came back at I once. I love I do. that. I do have some hesitation. I'm pretty sure the little girl wants to name one of her sisters Chatham. Did I hear that right? You heard, I heard it right. Chatham. I don't think that one's going to go over very well. Why? What's wrong Chatham. with Chatham? For it's Adam with Chuh. It's Chad. <laughs> um, no, like that, there's that's a Channing. A Channing is okay. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, her doctor wants her to carry the babies no later than 32 weeks. And that is, of course, for the health of all involved. Because this growing family will now have to build an addition and, of course, buy themselves a Dodge Caravan to accommodate everybody. Friends have actually started a GoFundMe campaign to assist with the costs. I'll tell you this. As a parent, if all of a sudden I woke up and found out that I was having four kids all at the same time, that's an issue. <laughs> like, that's a problem. What do you do? I don't know. Yeah. yeah especially I don't know. <laughs> Inflation <laughs> and everything. Out here. Here. It's like, oh, no. You go to GoFundMe, actually. Sucks it's the first guy. place you go. Is yeah. You go to GoFundMe. I'd be curious to know how much that GoFundMe's raised. Because you got to yeah, divide it by four. I couldn't actually find a link, which more and more news places are are doing that because it's like you're yeah. promoting a charity. So yeah. I get that. So I could not find a link. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Guys, are you okay with public art? Uh, mixed. Because sometimes there is public art that is just incredible. Like it becomes an iconic part of your city and everything that it represents. And some of them are stinkers. I do will say, though, that um, especially in Calgary, it's less statues and um, and works of physical art and more murals that temporary and go away and, and amazing, uh, you know, graffiti. And that's become a trend that I do really like. I would like to think Vancouver and Brenda, you could probably echo this has some fantastic art. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was just down by the uh, English Bay the other night with the laughing, all the laughing guys. I was reading about the history mm-hmm. of the laughing guys. I had never read that little plaque down there before to get the, the history of all those. So, yeah. I like well, I'll tell you this, some public art can be controversial, I mean, to say the least. One new art installation in Montreal is really raising some eyebrows. It's literally a giant silver ring hanging between two buildings. Place Ville-Marie's Esplanade is no stranger to art, but its newest installation will be quite an imposing sight to see. I hope it's going to be a bit of of a surprise. Measuring some 30 meters in diameter, and weighing some 23,000 kilos, the ring 
as it's called, will hover over the plaza's staircase, overlooking McGill College Avenue and focusing on Montreal's Mount Royal. So the circle was perfect as a lens to look through this 200 years of history. We wanted to make sure that we had like the icing on the cake. Uh, and this is why we decided to work with Claude Cormier uh, and Associates to have this artistic installation put uh, just above the disc there. The project was commissioned by real estate company Ivanhoe Cambridge and designed by architect Claude Cormier, who hopes to see his vision encompass the core values of the city. It's business, it's tourism, it's shopping, it's people living. It's the, it's the heart of Montreal where there's a beautiful energy. Now, it's going to be heated to prevent ice buildup in the winter. It will have vibration dampeners for strong winds and potential earthquakes. If you live in southern Alberta, you might be getting flashbacks to a really similar art installation. Remember the big blue ring in Calgary? It was a giant blue yes. ring, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere, and everybody hated it. Even then, Mayor Nahin Nashi. Um, I don't like it. I think it's. I think it's awful. Um, I understand that it's a work of engineering feats to balance it on its edge like that. I think it's terrible. Um, it was chosen by a panel of five uh, citizens who curated it. Uh, very few submissions, by the way. There was an open call for submissions. I think they received 55 submissions, of which three were from Calgary. Uh, and they managed to pick something that they liked. Uh, 80% of the work uh, and the budget was spent in Calgary uh, with Calgary businesses. Uh, and this is what we got. Now, I don't like it, but sometimes art is divisive. Nahed Nenshi. My apologies. Yes. Uh, Calgarians hated the ring. And... They hated the price tag, which was $470,000. The Montreal ring, by the way, if you're wondering, cost $5 million. That's unbelievable. It's, it's better. It's better than the other one. It is better, but not by much. This is the Shift Podcast. Okay, it's Rob Faye in for Shane Hewitt, who is, I'd probably say, somewhere between here and Ireland. Boy, I'm envious, but at the same time, I'm very happy to sit in the chair. And one of the reasons that I'm lucky is because I am surrounded by people that can make me better and give me information that makes me stronger as a parent, not just as a broadcaster. Julie Friedman-Smith helps parents who are going through the challenges right now of what to do in life. For example, I was speaking to Julie just before we came on air here together, and she understands all about high school graduates and soon-to-be university graduates. Mm -hmm. Julie, good evening. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you. Great to be here. Let's talk about this because I, I guess, blurted out last night that I had a really busy week because on Sunday, my daughter, my youngest, graduates from high school. She gets all the bells and whistles because the mandates across Canada have opened. My son, who graduated last year, got nothing. He didn't even get the ceremony. With these kids coming out of these mandates, I don't want to say that they're bitter, but there's definitely two different paths that these last couple of years have, have led kids down. Definitely. And, and the, a ceremony or not really does not even come to scratch the surface of the two years before, right? So. Uh, yeah, our kids have struggled. We've all struggled. There's no question. And it would be lovely if we could go back and, and make it different, but we can't. And so we have to be where we are and come forward and really acknowledge 
the feelings. So it could be that your son just doesn't care, like whatever, that's what I did, no biggie. But it could be that he's feeling really hard done by or a little bit jealous or really, you know, wishing it could have been different. And so a lot of our role, our job as parents, no matter what the age of our child is, is really to empathize, to acknowledge the feelings of our kids and to let them know that we can handle them having big feelings. So we might be ready to talk about it. They might not be ready to talk about it. That's fine. But we can at least broach the we can at least broach the topic. We can say, you know, I'm just wondering how you're feeling about this. If, if anything's coming up for you because you didn't get this and she did. Or, you know, <laughs> there could be all sorts of other feelings that our kids are having, right? There's so much information coming at them. And so just asking a question and they may grunt, you know, <laughs> but you can also say then and many times along the way, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here to, I'm here to listen. And then we can really just play the role of listener. We don't always have to fix it for them. So I, I just wanted to say that it's so hard as parents to not jump in and fix it. We have no way of fixing it, but what we can do is listen. I feel like in real time, if I was to put myself a year ago when my son was graduating, it was just the way that it was. Mm-hmm. But now seeing his younger sister graduate, same scenario, but getting the chance to party, getting the chance to go to the beach and have the bonfires and you know go across the stage. Now I'm starting to see that resentment that a year ago, I don't think we saw. So how do you justify this to those two years? I mean, I was having this conversation, Julie, the other day about the fact that from a sports perspective, there are coaches at university that went through two years of not being able to identify who the best prospects were. So we'll, we'll get to that down the road, but just justifying this to a child that is now seen the following year, get everything that they didn't get. It is a challenge, isn't it? I would love for you to help me to understand the word justify. Are, are you saying how do we make sense of it for our child? Or, yeah, or? I, I think just, you know, for example, in the past couple of weeks, my daughter and I, we've been able to take pictures with the family. We've been able to get all gussied up. She puts the makeup on. She looks all of a sudden like a grown up. And my son didn't get any of that. And what's interesting about it is you can see it in his face. He'll never say anything. He's now working in the real world. But I'd love to be able to pull him aside and be like, listen, there's brighter days ahead. You might not have gotten this, but down the road, it'll be your wedding or it'll be something. But I feel like I almost need to go put my arm around him and be like, I'm sorry that you didn't get this moment. Absolutely. And that's exactly it. You don't even have to finesse it to say there will be other stuff in the future, because quite honestly, you cannot promise that it's not yours to promise. Uh, And just acknowledging it. Uh, My daughter graduated from university a, a month ago and I was sitting in the room and I was suddenly completely overcome with emotion, not because she was graduating, but because of the years of graduations that didn't get to happen the way they always would. So I think we're going to have that happening for the next little while. As we get back into society, we're going to have these moments of grief that come out of us of, oh, we were just doing what we had to do back then, but now we're seeing what we missed. And so just to be able to acknowledge it, that's huge. And, and that's all we can do. We can't explain it. We can't, I mean, if you want to say to him, if you want to go and have a party with your friends and get your makeup on and like, you know what I mean? Like if you want to do that for him, great, but he may have gone past that. And even just to hear it and have it acknowledged, that can be enough. I think you might've struck a business idea and not even realized it. If you were to go back and do the do-over prom, 
Yeah. I think there's something there. I, I don't know. Be. Maybe maybe that's the businessman <laughs> in me. Uh, Julie, <laughs> let's talk about it from a parent's perspective because sure. we've talked about it from the kids and the fact that they're, you know, they're more resilient than we give them credit for. There's no doubt about it. Sometimes I think it's the stress that I put on myself. And I think of the parenting that I have gone through over the past couple of years from, you know, making sure that they have their mask before they walk out the front door, making sure that they're zooming. Again, you got to remember for about what, a year, maybe even a year and a half, they were doing remote classes from their Mm home. Mm -hmm. Um, The challenge that I face is getting back on the treadmill of life. Because once you've had the opportunity to have these kids at home, you get set with a new level of standards. And now to go back, these kids are going back to school, but I don't have to go to the office. So I feel like my equilibrium is still a little bit off. Yes, I think you and every other parent is having that same feeling. And depending on where your kids are, where different people's kids are in their uh, school stages, many of them, there, there are many things that happened during those two years that are different than would have happened prior and that we might want to put back or, or move forward in a good way. So one of the biggest questions that I've been getting from parents uh, is do we, how do we deal with screen time? You know, before COVID we were as parents, many parents hyper aware of screen time. Then during COVID that was everywhere. It's how we survived. And so the question is, do we even care about it or how do we move back to something more reasonable? How do we how do we shift our lives to where they are now instead of where they were then? And for every family, that's going to be different. And I definitely think it's worth the parents, if there are multiple parents in a family, to do some thinking about this. And if you're a single parent, I hope that you have someone in your network who's there for you, for you to bounce ideas off of because it's nice to not be one, one hand clapping. You know, it's nice to feel that there are people around us. So it's an opportunity for us to get clear on what's really important. Uh, usually I start with families on values. What are the key values we want to teach? And what are the key characteristics for our ch- children that we want them to have? So if we're thinking that we want to teach values of resilience, courage, honesty, compassion, kindness, respect, these are just a few What are the things that we can put in place from a day-to-day basis that are going to model that to our kids and that are going to help our kids to learn those things? So, so many parents tell me that they want kids who are very responsible and self-confident, and yet those parents are the ones who do everything for their kids. So if we do everything for our kids, even things that they're perfectly capable of doing, how will they ever become responsible? So we really need to take a look at what we want for them and then find a way to make that happen. And I do that with parents all the time. And I don't think you necessarily need me, but it's about setting an intention. It's about just taking some time to think about it. And then you can pick the the hills you want to climb and leave some of the other ones for later or for your next lifetime. I didn't get a chance to travel with my kids for a couple of years either. Obviously, Disneyland was out of the equation. Mind you, they're getting a little old for Disneyland. But You had mentioned in an article not long ago about crafting spring breaks, but let's talk a little bit about summer vacation because we're, what, a couple of days away from having some significant time open up. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that there's going to be a mass exodus this year as parents try to make good on maybe not uh, being able to take their kids places for a while? 
I know it to be true because I'm leaving the country <laughs> very soon and I know what it's looking like. Um, but yeah, I do think it's going to happen. It doesn't have to be far. And again, it's really about thinking about, is it the time? Is it the opportunity? Is it teaching your kids how to handle traveling or the planning of it together? Whatever that is, it doesn't have to be far. It doesn't because every the expense of, the, the expense of travel right now is very, very high. Yes. Um, so if it doesn't feel like you can do something big, even though that might've been what you wanted to do, that's okay. If you do have an opportunity to do something big, great. But especially if your kids are older, please bring them into the conversation. So even if you, if it's something you wanted to do with your kids two years ago, you can't plan it as if they were the age they were two years ago, you now need to involve them the age that they are now. And and just be cognizant of that. Because some things we just have to let go and say, you know what, we missed that opportunity. What's coming ahead for us? What opportunities can we really enjoy instead of always looking in the rear view mirror? Do you know what my kids said? And it was hard for me as a parent to take this properly, but I knew that, that I had to. I said, what would you want from the next couple of months as we get into, into you know summer vacation? Sure. And it was a word that kind of hurt me, but it was a word that I understood. And it was space. Yeah. And the reason that I, you know, obviously no parent wants to have that said to them. It's kind of like when you're a kid, you want to walk in front of your mom instead of have her hold your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, now, all of a sudden, they just want to breathe. They just want to exhale. And I sat there and once I put my, I guess, my ego aside, I thought that probably be a pretty healthy thing. And it's something that most of us with teenagers would have been experiencing through the past two years, but they weren't allowed to go out. And God bless them. They didn't. Like so many kids followed the rules and stayed home because they had to. But that means that they didn't get the opportunity to rebel and sneak around behind our backs and do all the stuff that they would have been doing normally in a very normal developmental way for, for as teenagers, right? So they do want space. They've been under our noses for two years. And, but that also doesn't necessarily mean, depending on their ages, that they just get it freely and you know yeah don't even tell me where you are and I'll see you in a year and a half so it's finding a way to walk that line that's right for your family and that's right for each child because you may have one child that is super independent and you trust them implicitly they might still make choices you don't agree with but whatever that could happen but you might have one child who's just really you're not feeling that that's safe yet so obviously you're going to give them boundaries that are balanced with what you can trust. And as they earn your trust more, you can expand those boundaries a little bit. Julie, let's talk about something more positive. I feel like we're talking about all the <laughs> negative stuff. That's me. I, I think this is me almost. I feel like I owe you money for this quote unquote <laughs> session that we're having right now. Um, yeah, but you know, you're not alone. I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm getting s- these questions from so many parents right now. Like you are purely verbalizing what everybody's thinking. I think so. And if I, you know, I'll try to spin this positively, but my daughter in particular, who still lives with us, has seen both of her parents start new careers over the course. I mean, we talk about the great reset and the fact that what we were doing, my wife and I, before COVID is no longer what me and her are doing post-COVID. So we talk about children and stability, you know, being role models, having them, you know, see the parent do the nine to five and responsibility and don't be late. But yet they've seen us now both go through major shifts in our lives. Is that a good thing? Or is that something that maybe we need to circle back and, and, and share with them what our thought process was? Well, it's never a bad thing to share a thought process with a child. They may have no interest in hearing it, but it's worth offering <laughs> yeah. it. 
I think you've modeled great responsibility there. Um, it, it just depends on how you think about it. So what you did was, despite the world changing, despite jobs disappearing, despite changes that were happening, you found a way to manage the emotions that came along with the changes that were happening, find creativity to come up with a new direction, a new idea, find the courage to get people on board behind this idea and to step into developing something new, all the while being part of a family unit, supporting the people that needed to be supported, letting them know the ups and downs of your life, which is all very honest, real life stuff that adults have to deal with, um, and showing them that you managed and that you relied on the team that is your family in order to get you through it. To me, that's showing huge responsibility, and it's modeling some amazing skills for your kids to see. Julie, if your kids came to you and said that they wanted to move to the other side of the world... Yep, I mean, it's happening your, in two days. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say that. I bring this up. Yeah. Has your psyche changed on that? I, I, I know mine would have. I mean, I think I would have been a lot more tight knit or a lot, you know, held them closer previously. But man, I almost feel like at, at this point, after everything we've been through, it's like, man, just go experience the world, live it all, mm-hmm. live it up. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm, I'm in that exact situation right now. And while I am going to miss, being so close together as a family. I am so excited for the courage that my kids are showing in stepping forward to try something they want to try. Before I ever had kids, I, I had going back to values, the value that I most, um, that most inspired me was the value of courage. I wanted my kids to have the courage to say yes, when things were scary, but exciting. And I wanted them to have the courage to say no, when things didn't feel right in their stomach and they, and everybody was doing it, but it didn't feel right to them. And so when I see my kids stepping out and trying new things to me, I feel like a little bit like doing a little happy dance because yes, I, I, yeah, I'm a little bit sad about it, but ultimately they are having the courage to step forward and it might not work. And that's okay too, because we all need to, to understand that things change. We try something, it doesn't work. We learn from it and we move forward. So I'm, I'm doing my best to have my thought process to, processes stay really open. And for us to, as a family, learn new ways of belonging within the family so that we can continue to grow our relationships and help things stay connected, but just in a different way than they used to be. I moved home three separate times. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. It took me a few times. And God bless my parents for opening the door all three times. But yeah. Uh, yeah but it, what a, what a, a fortunate thing to have that safe space that you could come home to. And that's really, we need, that's what we need to let our kids know is that we're here. I mean, if that's what you believe as a parent, we're here. It's a safe place. Go and try your thing. If it doesn't work, if you need help, we're here. And eventually everyone will learn. Us too, of course. Julie, I am better for this conversation. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> I very much appreciate it. You know, what's funny is there's a lot of men out there that feel that they have to have the bravado, that they have to be the father, that, you know, you never let them see a stress. But the reality is, is I think men should have these conversations because there has been a lot of strain put on both parents' shoulders. And yes. in the case of a single father, for example, yes. talk about one hand clapping. Um, not only do you have to deal with those inner challenges, but now all of a sudden, as your kids get older and start to leave you, uh, you sit there and you think, boy, did I do enough job? Did I do it right? Am I wrong? But I feel like as we start to have the clouds dissipate, that we're realizing that we got through it. 
Absolutely. Can I also just give a word of warning that 18, while it is a number that seems to matter, or it could be 19 where you live or 21 where you live, whatever that adult number is, it's not really a thing because the brain doesn't really develop into adult brain to like 25 and beyond. So just because your kid looks like they're an adult, they still don't have a brain that says they're an adult. They're going to make mistakes and they might be totally obnoxious and smelly. And our job is to love them through it. That's our job. I'll remember that when I open <laughs> up the door and I see clothes all over the floor. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Julie, thank you for your time. I wish you nothing but success. And I know those heartstrings are going to be tugged at over the next week, but you thank did a great you. job and it is all for the best. Julie, thank, thank you. you. So Stop by anytime. Thanks. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, you know, what's interesting to me is when it comes to movies, I think we've all known in just over a, a night and a half that it's not necessarily my forte. I watched many a movie on a minor league baseball bus in between Spokane, Boise, down to Hillsborough, wherever, but it was always the same five or six movies. Could you name the five movies that minor league baseball players watch religiously all the time? Like, for example, we're not watching Shawshank Redemption on a bus. Could you at least name one or two movies that you just know teenagers and guys in their early 20s that are going from port A to port B, what they'd watch? You know what? Let's get a, a movie aficionado into the conversation who might be able to answer even one or two of those. Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome Steve Stebbing to the show. Steve, welcome back. How are you tonight? Not too bad, Rob. How are you doing? I'm okay. Come on, take a crack at this. What years are we talking? Oh, like, what, uh, what's the time? Any frame? of the last twenty years? Okay. Uh, super bad. Super. Uh, super bad's honorable mention, but it is definitely there. Anchorman. Anchorman is on the list. If I had a ding, I'd give you one. (laughs) I'll tell you really quickly. Caddyshack is one. Um, Happy Gilmore is one that you could just absolutely for sure. It's the the brainless two hours and 20-minute movie that just gets you from A to B. Absolutely. How about Major League, though? Oh, Major, for sure. Right? I could could probably verbatim give you at least 80% of that movie. (laughs) It's such a good movie, and, like, a lot of stars before they were stars. Like, you got Wesley Snipes in there. Absolutely. Like, you know no? what's funny is I just added a poll question yesterday. Is I said, what movie sequel was better than the original? Because everybody's talking about how Top Gun Maverick is actually, in some instances, better than Top Gun. And yes. Major League does not fall into that category. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Oh, and then there was Back to the Miners. Yeah, which was horrible. <laughs> Anyways, okay, um... We got a bunch of movies that I want to cover here. And, you know, I, sure. I want to start with one that I'm intrigued by because there have been so many people that have tried to do the life and times of Elvis Presley. Comic book heroes all find their superpowers. Elvis found music. Uh, bring that bass up, Jerry. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. I believe I can be great. ba some people want to put me in jail. So well's moving. Don't so much as wiggle a finger. I'm gonna show you what the real Elvis is about tonight. In that moment, Elvis, the man, was sacrificed, and Elvis, the God, was born. 
If I didn't know better, I'd say that was Tom Hanks. That is Tom Hanks uh, plays his, actually, uh, yeah, and uh, plays uh, Elvis's a manager and handler, and I think it was Colonel Tom Parker is his name Correct. in it. Correct. Uh, and uh, he was a ger- he was German. Um, and so that's why Hanks has that crazy accent in this. And apparently, uh, f- as far as this movie goes, he's the most questionable part in the film, which is very weird to think that Tom Hanks is like the downside of anything. Uh, but Austin Butler, who plays Elvis in this, is getting just massive, massive, massive amounts of praise. Uh, the film is gorgeous. It's done by uh, Boz Lerman, who did, of course, uh, Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, Great Gatsby. And uh, yeah, this is a, a film deserving of the King's legacy for sure. And uh, I mean, it is long. It's like two hours and 40 minutes or something like that. So it is an epic for sure, but uh, a good biopic. Which is hard to do. You know, as Elvis becomes further and farther removed, I often mm-hmm. wonder if young moviegoers would indulge in something along these lines. Do you think this hits even a, a younger demographic? Um, I think it it possibly can. I mean, Walk the Line did uh, for Johnny Cash and everything and pro- probably introduced his music to a, to, um, a younger generation as well. So I say it, it has potential. Uh, also in the fact that it just looks really good. The trailers are something that more and more as I watch the trailers, it sold me more and more on this movie, especially Austin Butler's performance. Um, so I don't know. I, I think this possibly could have legs. Um, is it going to be like a resurgence? We're going to see um, uh, Elvis on the top Spotify list. Maybe not, but uh, I, I think it'll, uh, it'll revive the Elvis kick for a little, at least a little bit. Hmm. The Tom Hanks thing where he told everybody to beat it after his wife, Rita, got tripped. That put him in the news. But it also brought up a nugget that I didn't know. Is it true, and you might not know the answer to this, that the volleyball in that movie that he was in, all by himself, Mm -hmm. all by him lonesome, was named after his wife, Wilson, Rita Wilson? (laughs) I think it was the maker of the ball, but, I mean, that's a great theory as well. Okay, so, I I mean, I know it's a Wilson ball, but do you think there's a a correlation between the two? I mean, come on, work with me on that one. I, I think so. Just, you know, he was on a stranded on, a, on an island and, and, you know, forgot his multiverse wife on the other side of it. See, you're working with me. I appreciate there that. Okay, onward and upward. Let's talk about the black phone. Doesn't work. Not since I was a kid. I'll scream. I'll scratch your face. This face? Daddy, I had a dream about it. What happened in your dream? He was taken. By a man with black balloons? Yes. We never released those details. Steve, I love me a good old summertime thriller. Is this one uh, yes. Is this one worthy? Definitely. Uh, the buzz on this one is huge. And it comes from uh, writer and director Scott Derrickson, who one of his horror films sinister is on the list of one of the scariest as one of the scariest films of all time so for him to return to the genre after his dad dalliance with marvel with uh, dr strange uh very very exciting uh, of course this is adapted from uh, a, a short story by joe hill who is the son of stephen king and the source material 
is incredible. And we've got Ethan Hawke, who has just immensely improved after role after role to be one of my favorite actors working today. Plays a sinister, not to be mixed metaphors here, but a sinister villain role in this. And uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. I love it. Okay, so we've done a biopic. We've done a horror slash thriller. Let's get to one that I think we're all going to smirk because if memory serves me correct, you have physically sat down and spent a chunk of your life watching and I think enjoying Beavis and Butthead do the universe. <laughs> T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Ignition. <laughs> the earth sucks. <laughs> you know, I haven't even thought of Beavis and Butthead in like at least a decade. It doesn't get old, does it? No, it really doesn't. And I think it's been since 98, since the original show. And, and they did the movie uh, Do America uh, with a small revival in 2011. But this is really like the first big push uh, for Beavis and Butthead again. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus, a brand new movie, which has them. <laughs> basically, they get ar- arrested and sentenced by a judge to go to space camp, which results in them going to space and getting sucked in a black hole, which brings them to 2022. Is that convoluted enough? No, it's about right. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, it's everything you remember and love about Beavis and Butthead. If you were, uh, you know, a, a teen of the nineties, like I was, or if you've, you know, adopted them into your life later in life, uh, it is that amount of fun. It still holds up. If you enjoy Beavis and Butthead, I know a lot of people, uh, may not enjoy that. It might not be their cup of tea, what I miss, uh, and of course wasn't in the movies, was their commentaries on music videos. So I'd love if this does well for them to bring back a series. And I forgot about that. The yes. critiques were amazing because they were absolutely. always brutal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then they'd have metal. Yep. They'd have like Pantera or like Slayer or Ministry in there. And it was just like, this is cool. <laughs> it, it was very cool. Steve, I want to keep you on for one more here. Let's switch to uh, television, the smaller screen. Uh, the Umbrella Academy, season three on Netflix. Your team's good, but I don't think you're better than me. I entered the world twice. And you, you're just meat and spandex. Dad didn't adopt us as babies, but those babies still existed here. So, if you ever see your other self, kill them. Sleep with them. Avoid them. What the hell is wrong with you? Oh, come on. As if you wouldn't climb Luther Mountain. <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, that's a good one. A lot of people saying good things about this one. Elliot Page, um, what were your thoughts on this one? I absolutely love this series. I've been a big fan of the comic book uh, created by uh, my chemical romance singer, Gerard Way. Uh, And uh, I will say that the Netflix series has similarities to the book, obviously, but has kind of grown into its own direction and some insane stuff in the first and second season. And season three starts off. Uh, I I can't even begin to describe it because we're getting into a lot of spoiler territory in here. But I will say that there's a a full on dance scene to Footloose in the first episode. 
See, that will hook a whole generation of people. Absolutely. Good Absolutely. for you. That's exactly. Now that is how you sell something. <laughs> Good for you on that. I know my wife is listening. She's like, heck yeah, man, let's go. She's we go. getting the password as we speak. Steve, thank you for stopping by. I very much appreciate this. I know this is our maiden voyage together, but learning about all that stuff is is good by me because like I said, I don't delve into this very often, but I'm intrigued and that is mission accomplished for you. Yeah, I'm here to guide, Rob. I'm here to guide. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could tell during the break the way that you and Ryan were going back and forth. You ever just see a conversation? You're like, you know, I'm just going to gently step away and let these guys have their moment. Because <laughs> just watching the two of you indulge in conversation, there's certain times where I'm like, hey, I'm Rob. Nice to meet you. This one, I was just kind of like, nah, this is perfect the way that it is. Well, so nerds talk. It wasn't nerd it. talk. It was two enthusiasts enjoying each mm. other's comparables. So, uh, Steve, yeah. thank you for making time for me tonight. Of course. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.